Welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera, and this one's a fun one because we're going to do this twice. Well, you're only going to hear it once, but this is our second time recording this episode. We had a minor snafu, and Anthony, I told you, the lesson learned here is no matter how many episodes deep you are, you got to go through the checks. You got to make sure everything <laughs> is on point. I know, okay? You and know, I, I think... I just don't think you spent enough time talking about Fujifilm on the last recording. No. So, so we, let's just We got to do it again. again. We got to do it again. <laughs> All right. So listen, cats out of the bag. This is an episode just talking about the recent Fujifilm event. They do these X summits, you know, once or twice a year where they talk about what's coming out, a bunch of cameras, lenses, and a hint at the future. And we're going to do this a little bit different, Anthony, because you, you are more of the host today. You're going to be running the show. You got questions <laughs> for me. Yeah, so let me break this down for the viewers. So X Summit was last week. It was so good, uh, very exciting. They released a bunch of new stuff. Okay, so we got the GFX 50S Mark II. Uh, they released a number of GF lenses. Uh, they threw in an XLR adapter, which was like a little like curveball for us. Like I didn't expect that. Uh, and it's for the GFX, which is kind of crazy, right? These GFX cameras, they actually are pretty hype with video, but that's not all. They announced... Uh, is it two, three lenses, three lenses for the X system. Okay. So we have a 33, 1.4, a 23, 1.4 and a 150 to 600. Now gadget, you went hands-on with the GFX 50S Mark II. And I was, I was kind of like mind blown during this whole presentation. Um, what was it like? What were you kind of thinking? And you just invested in a GFX camera yourself. So you, this is all you. What's Tell us what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, small, tiny, tiny, tiny correction. They actually announced four lenses. There was also an 18 uh, to 210. Oh, true. Yeah. That, yeah. That's coming for the X. We're going to, you know, I'm not, listen, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. I don't want to get too excited. <laughs> Let's start with the GFX 50S. So I got the 50S2. I got the new 35 to 70, uh, their smallest profile zoom lens for the GF mount. This camera, it's mm -hmm. a medium format sensor, 70% uh, larger than a full frame sensor. They'll tell you time and time again, and I'll tell you time and time again. Um, it has the exact same body as the GFX camera that I bought earlier, which is the GFX 100S. Same exact body. The only way to tell them apart is the 50S2 has a 50S2 branding on the side. Now, here's the thing. They're using the same sensor from their original first GFX camera back in 2017. So there's a bit of challenges here if you try to use this like a traditional DSLR or mirrorless camera. Like it's just not going to work in a lot of these dynamic, low light, low contrast environments. It's really not meant for that. This is a camera for those studio professional. People that are doing, you know, portraits, people that are doing still life, people that are doing product photography, commercial product photography especially. It's a camera meant for that because regardless of this not being the best thing for, you know, super fast moving sports environments, that kind of stuff, the quality of the image is is phenomenal. The, the, the tonal range that you're getting, the micro contrast that you're getting, the ability to really blow these prints up, to punch them in, to crop as needed, it, it's, it's quite remarkable what this sensor can do. And now you have it in a body with image stabilization, up to six and a half stops of image stabilization. Mm -hmm. it, it really is something that, I, would, I won't say groundbreaking, I don't want to go that far, but I do appreciate Fujifilm's ability to really lengthen or broaden their GFX lineup to have an even lower entry point to get into the system. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I, when I first saw this, I was like, man, this looks like it's like the size of a DSLR, but it is a little bit different. You have to be in a little bit of more controlled environment. And like you were saying, even some of the things with like the autofocus, it's just not quite as snappy as that, but the quality is really top notch. And one of the the points that I, 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 I really want you to highlight for us is it's not just about having a, a large amount of megapixels, right? So the sensor makes a big difference in like the dynamic range and things like that. So I was wondering, maybe you could talk to us about just the overall quality and why that having such a, a larger sensor compared to like a traditional DSLR might be even more of a game changer. Yeah, and this one's different in a way where they, uh, they arranged it separately. So you actually get less light pollution coming in. So if you're doing something like astrophotography, if you're doing something mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, where you're working with studio lights and multiple studio lights, um, those large photo sites are going to give you a rich amount of dynamic range. And I, you know, I think it's north of 14 stops of dynamic range, meaning that when you're going in and post and you're editing and you're tweaking colors, especially with skin tones, and you're trying to really get those even gradations as you go from one side of the face to another, that's where you really mm -hmm. start to see the difference of this. And, you know, I, I took it to several environments. I took it to a poolside fashion show, which it was a, it was a struggle to use there. I'll be honest, <laughs> right? I really wanted to push this thing and see where the ceiling was that looks like that's the yeah. ceiling. Uh, <laughs> did some product photography in my studio at home, took it to a daytime photo walk in which it was quite surprising. You know, when you do have, you know, the power of the sun and good amount of ambient light, you can take some great shots with this thing. And when you bring those files back to look at, um, there's a richness to these files. Uh, there's a, a dimension to these files that you get to appreciate. And here's the thing, when you're posting stuff primarily on Instagram, most people might not be able to tell the difference. But it's really for the working professional, the people that are actually making income from their photography, they will see the difference. And when you're a professional and you see the difference, that's often enough. <laughs> that's often enough for you to mm -hmm. be like, you know what? Let me get this thing. Let me future proof my kit a little bit. Let me be able to capture these raw files that if I decided to come back in five, 10 years, there's still so much depth to these files that I can work and play with. And I think that's really interesting about the GFX line. And again, aggressively coming down in price point, especially when you include the fact that this lens is quite affordable <laughs> and portable as well. It's exciting stuff, man. It's really exciting stuff. Yeah, and I feel like 50 megapixels, that may be actually like a sweet spot where, you know, you're not just like stacking hard drives for like a single shoot. Yeah. Uh, and like like the, the 100 may be like overkill for a majority of people, but I think a lot of people would be pretty excited uh, to get into something that is 50 megapixels. It's something where you're going to notice a big difference. And like you said, this camera is not that expensive. Uh, we're talking like five grand or so yeah. for, for this camera so that's pretty impressive but one of the things that i was super impressed by is they announced a gf 55 millimeter f 1.7 and this thing is tiny man like the, i was so shocked when they brought this out uh and then they the, on top of that they threw out i think this is the widest lens available for any medium format camera 20 to 35 millimeter they brought out this tilt shift lens. This thing is a honker. It's massive. And then the 35 to 70 millimeter. So out of these lenses, what do you, what were you most surprised by? Or what, what were you shocked okay. to kind of see? Okay, first of all, I got to tell people like Anthony's like 6'8", 6'9". So when he says something is tiny, <laughs> it's relative to him because he got them Shaquille O'Neal hands. So that 55 <laughs> to 17 might 
feel tiny to him. Uh, <laughs> that's a big true. lens. That's a big lens because I got the eighty one point seven. It's like you know a thermos mug in terms of like the 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 <laughs> diameter of this thing, and it's dense. And the fifty five looks like it's pretty close to that. Look, I'll be honest. Uh, these three lenses, they're probably outside of my interest. And I say that because the GFX solution I have, I have the the 50 millimeter 3.5, which is sort of, I want to get something slim. That's more of a pancake style lens that if I wanted to use it for street photography, which I don't really think I'll do, but or travel photography, that, those sort of scenarios, I have that wider side. I have the 81.7 and the 110 F2 on order because I'm using this thing primarily in a studio in controlled environments. I'm not holding this camera for a long, mm -hmm. long time. So, you know, the, the the wide side, again, doesn't play into the type of photography I do. Fashion, commercial portraiture, that kind of stuff. The 55 1.7 might be the thing I'm closest interested in. Probably the wrong mm -hmm. use of adverbs there. Um, but the 55 <laughs> 1.7 might more closely appeal to the type of style and shooting that I do. However, mm -hmm. I personally don't have a need for it. So for those that are a little bit more strict in their in their in their portrait work that you know are just looking for the best glass that don't have a need for a slim lens or a smaller kit, that 55 1.7 is really interesting. You have a 44 millimeter millimeter equivalent in terms of full frame perspective. So if you're going for that environmental portraiture, you know what I mean? If you want to capture not just the person, but you want to actually capture the set, the background, that sort of thing, um, that 55. That is special. That is special. So you just invested in the GFX lineup of cameras, uh, and you're saying you know 55 maybe not be your your suit, but maybe if Fuji releases like the next lens, and they were saying you know we got to get Gadgen on board, what are the lenses that you'd be looking for for the GFX system? You know what I I am good. I am good. You know I'm very much I'm in a, I'm in a place right now where. Whatever camera I have, a, listen. Compared to the average person, Gadget's, I got a lot of cameras. <laughs> I have a lot of lenses. Gadgets wallet talking right here. <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> I have come to a place where, for any particular camera of mine, I'm I, like three lenses is the ceiling for me now. I sold a bunch of my XF lenses, uh, you know. So for my GFX kit, where it is studio work, three lenses is all I need. I got a 50, 80, mm -hmm. 110. Boom, I'm done. You know, I look at my street photography. Oh, really? Three okay. lenses is all I need. 23. And then we're going to talk about this 33, 35 little scenario. <laughs> 50, done. I'm yeah. good there. You know, I look at my cinema camera, three lenses. I'm good. I just think that I don't want to overcomplicate the situation. And I think that, you know, uh, if I could, I'd go down to two lenses, but sometimes you just need a third option. But yeah, I, you know what? I think I'm good. I mean, they can announce a bunch of stuff, but. Credit to Fujifilm. They've been doing amazing work. <laughs> they have an amazing family of lenses on both mounts. We're going to talk about the other mm -hmm. one. I am I'm good when it comes to the G mount. The X mount, okay. I don't know though. I don't know. So you yeah. want you want to okay. you want to go so, into the next topic here? <laughs> yeah, I think we this is an exciting announcement. The Fujifilm they released a 33 mm 1.4. It's a revision to the old, you know, 35 mm 1.4. It's not necessarily supposed to replace that lens, but it's a kind of a complement to that. It's an upgrade, let's just say. And there's Fujifilm, they talked about uh, this throughout the whole presentation, you know. They want to focus on uh, photography and video when it comes to their new 
lenses. So Gadget, can you tell us a little bit about the 33 millimeter 1.4? Are you excited for this? Does it replace the the, the, the 35 1.4? There's a, a lot to talk about. So yeah, they sent me the XF 33 millimeter F1.4. This is in their newer style. I think they're going in a newer direction that they started with the 18 millimeter 1.4 that they announced a few months ago and released a few months ago this earlier this year, I should say. Um, is super sharp, super reactive lens, not crazy big, not significantly bigger than the 35 millimeter 1.4 that they announced when the X-Mount was first released. And when you look at this mm -hmm. lens, it is just so clinically good. The out-of-focus areas, the bokeh there, it just renders really, really professionally, nicely, and, and just it's replicable in a certain way. Um, and I had a lot of fun using this. And I had a few days with this, you know, over this weekend even, where I took it to uh, an event and started capturing images, and it just felt like uh, a great lens to have by your side, like a sidekick kind of mm -hmm. lens. It's a truer 50-millimeter perspective compared to the 35. And I got to say, you know, this and I imagine I haven't gotten the 23 yet. I hope to get it soon. Very close, very close in how they I behave as I'd imagine. And if that's the case, I think I might have to grab both of these because I have 23 <laughs> F2 and I love that lens. What weather resistant, how I use it. I want something as fast, quick and durable. If a 1.4 mm -hmm. version comes out and you get better optics along with this fast focusing that the 33 has that's, you know, dead silent in how it focuses. I mean, they mm -hmm. got they got real winners here. I feel like it's going to be hard to get a hold of these lenses. I, I, something that I think might be pre-ordered and backordered for months to come. Now, the second question you asked me, how does this compare to the 35? Mm -hmm. I love the 35. It's part of the kit and it just, it captures images that are, are film-like in a way, especially when you edit a certain way. It has a unique character to it where your subject has a new, uh, uh, you know, a nice pop to them where there's separation between them and the background. And the autofocus areas have a bit of this swirliness and unpredictable nature to them. And I put up some samples on my Twitter. We included it in the video as well that we made. Um, it just looks like something that has a little bit less bite in terms of contrast and some unique characteristics as you go to the edges. So... Looking at these two, I still don't know which one. I got to pick one. Anthony, look, I got to pick one. I can't have both. You know me, all right? I talk three lenses yeah. only. I don't know right now because the 33 is better for that working professional that needs fast, silent uh, operation and, you know, replicable results. But for someone mm -hmm. that's a bit more creative, spontaneous, street photography, just having fun with it, the 3514 might be the better buy. So I don't know which one I'm going with. This is the biggest existential crisis I've had this year. Uh, we'll find out in a future episode, but that's sort of the high-level overview of these lenses. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, that 23 millimeter is like the, it's the go-to for sure. Uh, this is going to be like a no-brainer buy for me. Um, just swipe the credit card. I already told Fujifilm, like, can I just like submit the order and, and just, you could just process it for me. They got my credit card, just, just get it done. But the 33 is also kind of interesting. You know, they talked about like some of the upgrades in terms of like the autofocus and things like that. The removal of like the chromatic aberration from the lens it's supposed to be pretty flawless so these two lenses uh, are going to be interesting and it's interesting to hear you know your thoughts on the on the old 35 because that's that's one of your favorite lenses right so very cool very cool let's talk about the 150 
to 600 in development for 2022. Um, and they're, like I said, they're trying to focus on lenses uh, for photo and video. So uh, or do you have like some speculation on what this lens is going to be like? Is it going to be like a, an excellent kind of zoom lens that, you know, people are just dying to get? Uh, how does this fit into like the Fujifilm kind of lineup for you? Yeah, so there is a couple of uh, lenses that they hint. I mean, they announced some GF lenses uh, in their roadmap as well, uh, a tilt shift there. And when you go back to the mm -hmm. X mount, they made a couple of announcements where they're going to have this, you know, longer telephoto range, 150 to 600. And then they uh, now, sorry, I, I misquoted earlier, but it's an 18 to 120 that's supposed to, and like they didn't give the aperture range. They just said that this is going to be premium mm -hmm. lens, um, and it was going to be equally good for photo, photo and uh, for stills and video. Um, and that's interesting to me. That's interesting to mm -hmm. me. So, you know, are they talking about uh, where, where you can actually get uh, power focal uh, lenses where, you know, when you're when you're changing the, uh, the distance, the focal range, you know, the focus doesn't shift. Um, are mm -hmm. they talking about optics? Are they talking about, you know, having different sort of controls on the lenses? Are they talking about something that a lens that might adapt depending on what mode you're? I, I don't know. They didn't say anything, Anthony. They didn't hint at anything <laughs> yeah. other than the focal range. And because of that tease, I'm most excited for that lens. That's the one that sticks <laughs> out to me. You know, a 150 to 600 I, is great. Uh, I think landscape nature photographers will appreciate that, especially, you know, X-mount cameras being smaller cameras, having something that's relatively smaller compared to a full-frame lens but gives you that amount of range. I think that's exciting stuff. I think that's really exciting stuff. Um what, so at the end of this uh, X Summit, they kind of dropped this like little hint, yes. you know, at, yes. at a certain kind of sensor feature, maybe we'll call it. Uh, and I think this is super exciting. I'm hoping you can fill our, our listeners in on this. And let me know, like, is there something that, you know, that... Fujifilm needs to drop later on in the future to keep them kind of relevant in the field? Or are you pretty happy on the direction that they're kind of going? So uh, the biggest bombshell from this was right at the end, <laughs> if you're asking me. Yeah. And they announced that they're going to have a stacked BSI sensor in the X trans array. And just let's get the nerdy stuff out of the way. They, they have backside illuminated sensors right now, but not a stacked one, right? And... When you look at something like this and you look at the hints that they've been dropping, I think the biggest thing you can take away is that you're going to see a higher resolution X-Trans sensor in 2022 that is as good, if not better, than their current sensors when it comes to focusing, when it comes to low light performance, and when it comes to mm -hmm. resolving power and, 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 and the contrast you're going to get from these things. That has me very, very excited. And, you know, your second question, and I'll try not to take too much time on this because I know I know where we got. We got to get into creator graphics, but mm -hmm. I, I, I want to see Fujifilm be as good, if not better, in the video department as they are in the stills department. I use Fuji stuff for a lot of videos we shoot, you know, when it's super, super high end, we'll move to a more professional cinema camera, you know, something like a C300 uh, uh, mm -hmm. red cameras, something like that. But I would like to see them close the gap between them and, and the Sonys of the world and even the Panasonics of the world. And what I mean by that is it's just not enough to have 10-bit 422 internal recording. It's not enough to do, you know, 6K or 8K capture uh, or 4K 120. Like, those are great. 
but it's not enough. What we need is further development of their focusing. They, they, are, they are better than a lot of the field, but further development on the autofocus where the face and eye detection are just on point. And to me, even more so is things like waveforms, scopes, uh, anamorphic mm-hmm. recording. Uh, different format recording where, you know, I love my red Komodo because I can go to, you know, uh, 16 by nine, 17 by nine. I can go to two by two by one or even 2.4 by one. Like there's just so many different aspect ratios I can go through. I, you know, I would love to see them have just, you know, record an open gate where you just capture the entire sensor and then later decide what aspect ratio you want to crop into really, really, really focusing in on the sort of in, I wouldn't want to say intangibles, intangibles um, the small features around video production that would make a professional just look at this thing like, oh, damn, like this is just a phenomenal video creator tool. We know mm-hmm. that they can do photos. We know they can do stills. Okay. We know they got the sauce there, the magic sauce that people talk about. Can they bring that to video? That's, I want to say it's a concern. That's the biggest thing that I'm looking to see is how serious are they going to take this thing? Yeah, I'm exactly, I'm on a very similar page to you. Honestly, I think Fujifilm is doing a really good job and uh, I would love to see some more uh, professional features in the video front uh, and I would love to see some of their APS-C cameras just get a little bit more higher resolution, right? They've been sticking with this 24, 26 kind of megapixel range. That for me, I think would be a pretty cool little upgrade that they could definitely throw in uh, later on down the road. But like you hinted at, before Gadgen, we got to move on to our one of our favorite portions of the, every show. Every show, you know, we choose an item uh, that we want to highlight and and put it together into a creator draft pick for you guys listening. Uh, so Gadgen, I got something cool. What what do you got going on? I, I haven't seen I haven't seen your notes, so I don't know what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this week it is a shameless plug. If you've been following my uh, Instagram, my Twitter. Um, you know, even, even in, it leaks into the Henry's YouTube content here. Uh, I've been working with a friend of mine for many years, shooting music videos, shooting, doing photo shoots, magazine covers, all that kind of stuff. My buddy just dropped his album made in Jaffna by Sean Vincent DePaul. It dropped on Friday. Uh, we got some new metrics. It, it, the, the dude's over 3 million streams already. Um, he was oh, top smoke. 10 on the iTunes Canada album charts for, per, for purchases, which is phenomenal. And, you know, I've been working with him for about three years now. So just, it's amazing to see the journey right to, to where he was with mm-hmm. you know uh, thousands of listeners on spotify to now over three hundred thousand uh listeners on spotify it, it's crazy to see the growth the music is if you're a hip-hop head you will love the music i'm that's my that's my plug listen it's not gonna cost you anything if you have a spotify itunes or youtube account of any capacity so go listen to it made in jaffna the album's out now i've been bopping to it all weekend long it is an emotional journey i'm not gonna tell you i'm not gonna lie to you it's an emotional journey uh but that's my pick anthony that's my pick yeah Solid, solid. That's uh, I you know I like people who are creating uh, quality stuff, and he's a very very lyrical artist, you know. So um, yeah, I, I could definitely get down with that for sure. Throw that on during some editing time. But mine, okay, uh, we're talking about some serious cameras. Like that's when we're talking GFX, you know, you really got to step up the quality. I'm gonna give you something that can definitely step up the quality for for our viewers or listeners, um, and that is the. Pol- 
Pulsey Buff Cyber Commander, and the reason why this is so such a sick little product. So what this all uh, this is this is it, okay? So what this product is is a trigger for the Pulsey Buff flashes. They have Digibees or Einsteins. You can order that off of PulseyBuff.com. Uh, it's an American company, uh, but the reason why this uh, it's worth investigating these lights just for this Cyber Commander because this is a 16 light trigger that sits on top of your camera very low profile has an led uh, kind of display uh, very easy to kind of control all 16 of your lights which is absolutely insane um, but the the trigger is also a light meter on the back and light meters are very expensive uh, i <laughs> was not uh very impressed when you know i had to make that uh investment uh when i was back in in college uh the, all the professors wanted you to have that light meter to and it, and it is a tool you know that uh, it, it really does speed up the process. Uh, and when we are working with like uh, very controlled environments and things like that, like what we were talking about with the GFX, this would be a perfect solution if you're invested or willing to invest in something like the Einstein or Digibee, which are fan phenomenal lights. Um, but uh, yeah, the reason why this is such a hype tool is because it can tr control all the lights and uh, it meters out the lights. And that just leads to a faster setup time. I'll tell you a quick story gadget uh, a while back i was shooting at a beach right and it was just absolutely insane i put the pulsey buff cyber commander just down in the sand for just a moment i was setting up like a one of my einsteins getting ready for a nice sunset shoot and everything turn around and i see a seagull pick up my cyber commander and just dip and i was just like what the heck? <laughs> this thing is not exactly cheap, and it wasn't. It was just like I was. Did, doing wait, wait, this wait, wait. Did the seagull a... just leave with it? Like he didn't bring it back. He didn't drop it somewhere. He no, just took. He, just no, took it. he, he had just a photo shoot. He's like, I'm good with. I'm. I'm, I'm gonna take this. I'm He's okay. like, you know what? This is a hype tool. I need this for <laughs> for my own lighting setup. <laughs> wow, wow. So right after that had to go home order a second one uh, because this thing is just too good so and that's the reason why it makes the creator draft pick because if you buy something twice you know it's good <laughs> yeah, I, you know what listen it's true yeah i lo i don't know where my gopro hero 8 went i lost that i had to order a second one maybe it's the same <laughs> seagull man maybe it's the same seagull listen maybe it's the same <laughs> enough of these seagulls thank you all for listening this was a fun show to record and you know so so nice we had to record it twice anthony thank you for your time as always listen if you're enjoying the show share it with your friends leave a review on itunes and uh more than anything we appreciate you tuning in every other week to good morning camera and with that all said thank you again we'll see you next time thank you